I'm a boss. I'm a boss. Welcome to the Bosspreneur Podcast, Becoming More. I'm your host, Becky A. Davis. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want to make a bigger impact with your product, your service, or your message. So each week, I'll pull the curtain back and go inside and share about money, mindset, and marketing ideas and strategies to help you become more. So let's jump in. So today's podcast is a part of our Boss Girl Magic series where I bring in um, Black business bosses to be able to share their journey, the lessons learned, and some of the latest projects that they have going on. And I'm super excited because today my guest is the one and only Mickey Taylor. If you got, I, I know everybody knows who Mickey Taylor is. Um, she has some amazing books out. She has Commander and Chic. That was uh, Michelle Obama's on the cover of that book. And um, Editor and Chic is her latest labor of love. She's been um, the editor at large for Essence. And we're going to talk about um, um, Essence and her career there and her journey there as well. But she is um, just an amazing person. And I got the opportunity to really um, connect and get to know Mickey five years ago. Um, we were partnered with a company where we did a tour together, 15 city tour. So we were in and out of cities and it was an amazing opportunity to get to know this amazing woman and to, to watch her work. I was always in awe. Every time she got off the stage, I was like, she is so amazing at what she does just in on you you guys know how much I love um, speakers and presenters and I love to people walk, to watch people work in their excellence and every time she got on that stage that is what she did and so I am excited to have my friend Mickey Taylor today as our guest Miss Mickey how are you doing today Oh, I'm doing just fine, Becky. Thank you for having me at the table. It's always an honor to talk with you. Oh, man, I, I have to keep my pen always ready, my pen and paper, because listen, if you are listening, you're going to want to get home and jot down, go back to this podcast and rewrite, because Mickey drops <laughs> nuggets like crazy, and they're tweetable nuggets that you're like, oh, did she just say that? So, so I'm so, so, so excited to, um, to have you. So I want you to, to for those of pe people that might have been under a rock over the last few years, um, to share a little bit more about what you do, who you are, so the audience can really kind of get an idea of you. And then we're going to talk about your journey. Well, Becky, you know, um, it's been an, it's, it's an honor, let me say, to get up every day to go to work on behalf of women of color. It's mm -hmm. something I've done for the last 40 years or so. And uh, started out back in the early days with Essence in 1980, served there as beauty and cover director, affirming and inspiring us on the pages and on the stages um, as beauty and cover director. And then 2010, I became editor at large. And um, certainly that allowed me to not only serve uh, millions of women through the brand that is Essence, but to also serve the audience through brand Mickey. And um, I had certainly authored my first book, Self Seduction, uh, by that time. And uh, I knew that there were more books in me and a greater purpose um, that I had to answer. And so, uh, you know, at that time, I began speaking, uh, empowering others, if you will, to own their lives. So you know, fast forward to the present. I've written two books since then, uh, Commander and Chic, about my work 
uh, with First Lady Michelle Obama and just wanting every woman to own her life like a First Lady and just applied, you know, took notes of those principles that she stands in. And mm -hmm. then my uh, latest book, Editor-in-Chic, How to Style and Be Your Most Empowered Self, which is, you know, really uh, a pandemic primer on success, self-care, uh, and mastering your purpose with distinction. And, um, uh, you know, in addition to that, I have, uh, last year I started my own film company, Satin Doll uh, Films, and just uh, bringing, the goal is to bring unexpected stories about women of color to the screen. You know, I'm honored to say that we have deals, one doc that's being packaged, we have another one that's on the table for review, uh, we have another one that um, is uh, an episodic that I'm developing and, um, and just wow. open to receiving scripts that are really ready to go. Uh, so the audience knows those that are copy edited and preferably proofread by a service for content and structure. Um, and then um, really teaching women across the country, particularly uh, from the small screen here, since my whole world is virtual now, how to pivot and not panic and how to mm. shine in pandemic times while working at home. You know, lessons in living that I've had to teach myself as we all had to pivot. But um, yeah, yeah, wherever you find me uh, in the journey, I'm serving us. And um, I love that. because I, I just have heard too much survival talk among us before COVID hit. And yeah. now that we're in the midst of multiple pandemics, you know, uh, the storms have collided from, you know, yeah. the racial pandemic, psychological pandemics, uh, you know, the election, all of this. So uh, this is uh, what I call a transformational time for transformational people. Wow. And, yeah. I, I mean, and I yeah. think what, especially with that, you know, I have had, I've had to do my pivot um, because of the, the uh, pandemic as well. And one of the things that um, God really helped me get super clear on. And now I, it was, it was something I was kind of fighting for the last three years. Um, and I was fighting it within myself. I realized that it was me fighting my own um, thoughts, but it was, I got super clear from the pandemic, from Black Lives Matter with the, the, um, the death of George Floyd just was like a blow, like no other blow to me um, personally. Mm -hmm. And it really made, made it super clear when um, 40, 41%, the last half, 41% of black businesses closed because of the pandemic, where the next cultures was 19%. So double the amount of black businesses that closed that really made it super clear that my audience, the audience that needs my, my support, my God-given gift, my talent is black women entrepreneurs. So I mm -hmm. made the pivot and the shift specifically to focus on black women entrepreneurs. And one of the things that you talked about especially regarding the pandemic and the transition and the shift as you have gone through this, this pandemic, how, what, what impact and effects and what are some of the things that you've had to shift in your journey in 2020? Well, I had to introspectively apply my own medicine or take my own medicine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm always saying there's no better time than right now to define what's truly important to you to see where, the person you envision yourself to be is at odds with the life that you're carrying out. So, okay, COVID hit, my entire calendar got wiped out. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for a moment, uh, you know, my last uh, flight was coming back from Disney 
as mm-hmm. we all were in March, March 15th. Yeah. And then for a month or so, it was like a staycation, only yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so when you look at the critical work that you were born to do, when you look at who you say you are and the woman who looks back at you in the mirror, and then you look at your revenue, which can also be very sobering, despite mm-hmm. the fact that you weren't created to make money, it, 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 you, it takes money to run a business. Yeah. It takes yeah. money to power up a brand. And so, you know, I had to say, okay, so what does this look like? And how, and, and I really affirmed the, the, the concept that out of emergency comes emergence. Mm. And how is business going to look different for me? Now, if I look at even biblical principles where it says the gospel should be preached to the whole world, I used to wonder how that was going to happen. Well, in this uh, tech-driven world, I no longer wonder. So how is what I'm doing mm-hmm. going to get out and continue to empower women to help them own their lives, to help them master their purpose? It's going to be done virtual. Mm-hmm. And how am I going to do it? And how am I going to still pitch this need? Not an option, not a luxury, not a sound bite, this yeah. need. And so one of my Mickeyisms says, don't ask permission where you have the authority. Yes. Yes. I love that one. Yeah. So when you get to that place of authority, uh, just because you have to change speed or you have to change tracks, you don't give up your authority when you do so. Mm. So, you know, it's just like anything else we pitch. We, we understand that we solve a problem. We serve a need. We inspire, we motivate whatever business you're in. The product serves a purpose. And so, you know, I began to go back to the same companies and so forth that I work with and to say, well, everybody's talking about the crisis, but nobody's talking about coping strategies. Nobody's talking about self-care. Nobody's Mm -hmm. talking about um, how to pivot and not panic. And so that became my message. Oh, man. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. it started to gravitate because after the Mm -hmm. numbness, March was a numb month um, for most of us. And after the numbness started to kind of wear off, because I know for me, it was April when I got my, my my redirection, like, okay, here's what I, what I need to do. But, but March, I literally just, I didn't do anything. And um, I didn't even try to, well, let me start. Do, I just need to sit with it and right. um, kind of feel what was going on in the, um, in the country and what was happening. And thinking about my business, um, totally different. One of the things that um, I heard you say about uh, with the pandemic responding or directing, kind of break down what you mean by that, the difference between responding and directing. Well, what happens is, you know, when you, re, um, when you respond to something, you're waiting. That means an action has to take place before you act. Mm. As an entrepreneur, you can't afford to have that happen. Business is not going to happen by osmosis. You right. know, there will be those calls that you will get. There will be those calls that you'll continue to get. But what about the calls that will fall away? What about, you know... How does what you um, serve or sell, how do you keep that top of mind for the audience that Mm -hmm. you need to reach? And oftentimes there's a middleman that you need to get through. So how are you 
again, you can't expect anybody to invest in what you won't expose. Ooh. And sometimes you have to expose it differently. Mm -hmm. see, so I, that it's not optional. Invest so, in what you yeah. won't expose? I got to write this down, right. Mickey, now. Right, right, <laughs> right. You can't expect anyone to invest in what you won't expose. So, okay, so COVID hit. They're not calling you. You're not calling them. So, so what do you think is going to happen? Somebody's mm. going to get crossed off the list. Exactly. Exactly. So instead of like one of my global companies, that's again, you know, had the conversation, you know, everybody's talking about the crisis. We don't lack the information on the crisis. How are we helping people cope? How are we helping your employees who are now not only working at the computer, but they've got a child next to them who they're helping go to school at the computer, how, yeah. who they're trying to shine from maybe 3,000 miles away in a virtual world where they have to be on mute most of the time. How mm -hmm. are you helping them? How are you helping them in the fear that they're wondering, are they going to lose their job any day now? And they've got a mortgage to pay. They've got food to put on the table. I read where one woman said she was only eating one meal a day so her children could eat three meals a day. This is real stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so who's coaching them? They're not getting that from human resources. Mm. So, yeah. So when you respond, mm -mm, that's not your position. You have to direct. Oh, you have to help good. people understand why this is essential. Because companies now, we've read, you know, they care about their employees. People, company managers, CEOs, they all, they all have pivoted. They're not just looking at them as, as line items, worker bees, you know, payroll numbers, what have you. They really care. And they have to care. Yes. If we even look in the, the God forbid that it had to come to this. But if you look at the death of George Floyd mm -hmm. and the doors and the windows that it has opened where people finally see people of color. Exactly. People understand what it takes for us to succeed versus those who don't have melanin in their skin. Exactly. It, because yeah. it's like, um, you know, there, there was definitely a shift in the atmosphere, in the ground up under um, everybody with the death of George Floyd, um, because that, that had such an impact. And, and the reaction after that has just opened up um, so many doors because now it's not it, because you know it, it has felt like that okay well uh, so what are they complaining about now and then shift it to oh my god I see what there and, and it, it's, it's so I'm with you it's so sad that it, it had to take a life in the way that it did for other people to kind of see the pattern that has been talked about for years now right. to be able to, for that, that, um, that shift to be able um, to happen for African-Americans because there's a lot of things going on now where companies are looking to have um, conversations with uh, differently in the workplace than they've had before because now they have to, to address things a little bit different. Have you had any of that um, where that has kind of come up from uh, where they want you to share more about just some, though, having to deal with some of those things? Because people, if you're not talking about it, I know I was doing a presentation for um, uh, ADP. And originally when they contracted me, it was because of the pandemic and people 
were down and people, they wanted to lift people up because they were, all they were hearing was pandemic and they wanted to, to lift people up. And then after George Floyd happened and then we had another touch base call and I, I said, you know, my topic is leading through disruption. And originally we were, we were, it was the pandemic was the disruption, but George Floyd and Black Lives Matter is a disruption. Um, and I think I need to at least touch on that in this conversation or it just would not feel authentic to not touch mm -hmm. on a disruption. And they were like, we were hoping you would say that. We do need to touch on that because there are people feeling certain type of ways. Have you had that to happen to you as you've been um, uh, with the since the, the uh, George Floyd and the heightened awareness of Black Lives Matter? Well, absolutely. I mean, what I realized quickly is that change has been provoked and now this is a time of reckoning. So how will we take it to the next level? Um, and so, yeah, so people are trying to understand diversity and inclusion is no longer a theory. People are really, really yeah. willing <laughs> to have uh, inclusion, you know, and not just uh, the numbers of color, but exclusion of our voices. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we are, they're really willing to hear how they can promote a social environment that empowers and enriches people's lives. Yeah. And um, yeah, and so, uh, and so, you know, for me, particularly in the beauty industry where I've always been an advocate for us and have always been that voice because we were for so long the invisible women, um, it, it, it doesn't feel new to me, but where I go into other areas of my business, yes, definitely. You know, we see it happening in Hollywood. We see it happening in the fashion industry. We, we see it happening, you know, in all corridors now. And um, so now's the time I, I clearly recognize for all of us to, um, to you know, demand to mm -hmm. insist, mm -hmm. you know, at the table and to make sure that the change carries out and that this is not just a trend like it is with so mm -hmm. many things yeah. that come and mock our real concerns as something that's just an isolated incident or here for a season. Yeah. No, this, yeah. We're yeah, we want to we want to regulate this. We want to address it and regulate this. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I want to I want to shift um to a topic that um just having the opportunity to have conversations with you over the last few years and get to know you that I want to um, kind of bring uh, some of that to the table just in learning your journey with Essence when you when you first started with Essence like you said you was beauty and and um, cover, cover director mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. how did you start your um, journey with Essence in that role and then I definitely want to talk about as beauty and cover director um, director I want to know what was one of the memorable covers that you did and who was it with? <laughs> you know, um, I had a, um, a, beauty, uh, a beauty and fashion background. I had, mm -hmm. a, uh, certainly I started out um, in high school as a model and that introduced me to the beauty and fashion world. And then uh, I went into beauty at retail. Then I went to 7th Avenue and I worked, um, you know, for a number of firms in the garment industry, particularly Chahari Limited, where I met the Essence team uh, because in that role there, I progressed from model to uh, 
uh, production and merchandiser. I began to open freestanding boutiques for Tahari Limited. And uh, that's where I met the Essence team, the Vogue team, Glamour, a number of the magazines they came to Tahari to buy clothes for the pages. Um, and I also started modeling on the pages of Essence at that time. And uh, so there came an opening in the fashion and beauty department. And uh, one of the Essence colleagues told me about it. And I went up and interviewed with Susan Taylor and got the position. And I took actually a $10,000 reduction in pay to take that position. And, and I say that as a matter of importance because it's not about the money. Again, yes. my folks instilled in me that I was created to do more than to make, than make money. And so I understood that this had a greater payoff, particularly if I was going to be away from family and my children every single day, uh, or actually I had one child at the time when I started Essence, you know, that I had to be doing that which fulfilled the purpose and was also meaningful. Uh, six years into my position at Essence, I pitched for the position of cover editor uh, and became beauty and cover director. Now, why did I do that? Because I wanted to brand the look of the Essence cover. Essence was the only magazine on the newsstand speaking directly to black women. And I wanted the brand to have a signature look so mm. that even if the even if the headline or the title was covered up on the newsstand, which it, many times it was, yeah. I wanted black women to know that this was their magazine, that this was the magazine that held up the mirror on us. And so not only did I have a plan for that, you know, I had, uh, uh, a, you know, began to curate teams prior to that for how this the cover would be executed, who would be responsible in helping me bring this vision to life. And so I pitched for the position and I got it. And uh, so then wow. in addition to that, because you have to understand, I was handed a job description that said my job was to affirm the culture's definition of beauty. Now, had I not grew up in a beauty where household was key, being that my mother was a um, hairstylist, makeup artist and wardrobe stylist to uh, Sarah Vaughn, the late American icon that was Sarah Vaughn, wow. I would not understand the transformative power of beauty. So I wasn't intimidated by that job description. Um, wow. But I also took it upon myself to educate companies because I did not understand how the Black women I knew, those that came to my mother's beauty salon, those that I knew in the neighborhood, I understood how hard they worked for their money. I grew up seeing, you know, my mother's circle of friends were women like Ella Fitzgerald and Lena Horne and, and, and what have you. So I knew the power of Black beauty. I knew how hard fought and how hard earned that power of expression was in this country um, for beauty companies to not see us, for us to be the invisible women. So I took it upon myself to advocate for our beauty, for products that really worked for us. Um, during that time because I found it unacceptable. That was not on my job description. I began as a trusted authority for black women several years into my tenure to even be able to get advertising pages in the magazine because I told companies, if you didn't have the conversation in the room where we were, which was on the pages of the magazine, you mm -hmm. weren't talking to us. Wow. So, you know, you have to um, 
again, you can't expect anybody to invest in what you won't expose. Mm. If you have the vision, if you understand what needs to be said and done, shame on you if you don't use your voice. Mm. I didn't need another template to do what I had been called to do. You created the template. You, that's exactly right. So wow. you have to be willing to be the author of your own story. And part of that is key to creating the template. Oh, I love that. And let me say thank you um, for that. Because I know as um, a, a, a young girl, a little girl going and seeing uh, the Essence magazine, because there was only so many magazines that were um, us, that were we were on the cover. And Essence was one of those that um, you, you wanted to save your pennies to go and make sure that you got a chance to read and to see other people mm -hmm. like you in the mm -hmm. magazine and hear their stories and things that were, were happening um, for Black people. For me, it was just inspiration to say, man, look at what's possible, being able to see that, that magazine. And so I know you have just worked with so many people um, on, the, on the cover. I'd love for you to share um, one of the, the covers that you did that was a memorable cover of, uh, of someone. Just your stories just amaze me. You know, that's like the Desert Isle question. And they always say, well, if you were stuck on a Desert Isle, what beauty <laughs> product would you take? And I, would, I always say I wouldn't go because I'd have to pack for it. Uh, so <laughs> the reality of it is, is that, gosh, I don't have one favorite cover. There, mm -hmm. there are many. I have had the joy of working with some of the most renowned people in our history. Uh, but I will say the shooting the Obamas in their home uh, oh. in June of 2008 for our September cover, president-elect at the time, uh, shooting him and Mrs. Obama in their home was uh, still gives me goosebumps. It was an mm. extraordinary experience. And uh, it was just, uh, it, was, it was a pinch me moment yeah. and yet one that I showed up ready for. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 Certainly the second time I worked with Mrs. No, not the second time, was probably the third time or I'd lost count. But when I worked with Mrs. Obama in the White House at that point and uh, shot her and her mother for the cover, and she had the one of the staff members take me on a tour of my own through the White House, parts that the visitors don't get to see. And just um, when I got to that portion in the White House where they had had the fire, and the, the old building, part of the old structure mm -hmm. was meshed with the new. And that was even a metaphor for me about their next and what they were bringing to Washington. And uh, so that was memorable. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't a cover, but the first time I worked with Rosa Parks was memorable for me because wow. she, her delight was like that of a child. And she couldn't get over that we had put a glam squad together for her. And, you know, here was this glorious shiro and i remember you know she had this beautiful long fiery foxy gray hair and uh, but with the joy of a child um yeah uh certainly the many times i've shot oprah winfrey and every time i've asked her to bring a different part of herself to the cover um almost like an actress if you will i remember one time i asked her to just sit down and take your shoes off. I'm not in search of Oprah, the talk show host. I'm in search of Oprah, the woman. And it became a very sensuous, beautiful cover. Mm. And so, you know, things 
things like that. Um, moments in like in the desert with Halle Berry. We were shot in uh, uh, um, White Sands, New Mexico. They say White Sands is the only place on earth that you can see from the moon. And there we are in this white desert and no animal life but tarantulas, if you will, and sand dunes that are everywhere. And, you know, here I am with Halle shooting her in the desert for cover. You know, it's shooting Beyonce in Holland for cover and she's dancing in a garden where while our people are fighting off the paparazzi on the outside. Yes. There have been so many moments, um, but just to see yeah. us in all our glory and to have a say in that moment in time, because as a cover director, I prided myself on never shooting anyone or having them shot like the audience knew them. I, I, and that was the filmmaker in me and mm. why eventually I went into film because I was always in search of the unexpected, yeah. the moment that, that no one had seen. And so, yeah, and, and it wasn't long after that I started to do video shorts on cover shoots because I always wrote um, shot by shot, if you will, like a screen, like a, mm -hmm. a, a script, if you will, for the cover, because there was always an inside story. So for example, when I shot Will and Jada in New York, I wanted, it was before we could go to Cuba. So I couldn't go to Cuba to shoot them. So we created a set that looked like Havana. And we had a, a house built in the studio with rooms. And, and it was a, just a sizzling romantic moment for them. And, and you know, the lines that I wrote, the, the things that I was after, they were so in love and, and still are for that matter. They forgot that we were there almost and we oh, were able to capture oh, the rapture, if you will. It was just the most sizzling, spicy scene between two people yeah. who, who had all their dimensions of love from arrows to wisdom to what have you. And so yeah, and so I began to shoot video shorts to capture how these things are enacted and they become covers. You know, and, um, I think it's, yeah. it's such a beautiful, um, just as, as you are speaking about those, and, you know, my mind gets this, this uh, visual of it, um, and I think it's, it's in the work that, that we do um, working with um, women, uh, specifically working with African-American women, being able to um, shoot some of those um, covers and do the work that you've done with so many Black women. Has that been a part of your um, fuel to really um, give you that um, superwoman, I guess it is for lack of a better, better word? Because in my mind, I'm just envisioning, you know, each time I uh, speak or have an event and I'm talking to my community, it is that it's an injection of, to me um, that just takes me on a whole nother high is that these are the people that I really want. I want to serve. Look at, look at us, look at what we're, we're capable of and look at uh, all of the different dynamics and dimensions of us. So being able to do that, how has that been an impact on you as an individual? How has that grown you personally and just kind of gave you that? Cause you know, it's easy for us to get caught up into what society says and what they think. Um, but you're so grounded in who you are, has that been a part of what has helped you with that? Is is the interaction that you've had in uh, defining, helping to define the story and the narrative for Black women? 
Well, yes, but you know, because I don't see myself as superpower, I see myself as super servant. Mm. And how high can I grow in that? And and so the grounding that you hear, the humbleness, the the clear understanding is in my wellspring. If that wasn't in my well, I don't believe God would have given it to me because I wouldn't have been able to handle it. Mm. And so God gives things to those he and experiences and opportunities to those he knows he can use. You know, it said, whatever you're a good steward over, you'll appreciate or whatever you appreciate, you'll be a good steward over rather. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be the good steward. And and so it's no different that what I, what I am doing as well is turning that same vision into creating um, PR images for corporate women. Mm. So, and um, that's another thing that, you know, when we um, figure out how this is going to happen in COVID, when companies figure it out rather, because I know how it can happen, is that creating headshots of women and lifestyle images that they can then use that communicate who they are to viewers all over the world. What do I mean by that? what more often than not happens in a corporation is women will go and they will be shot black, white, or indifferent. They'll be shot. They'll be all shot in the same light, cold, mm-hmm. stiff, not who they really are. Yeah. Now, it, it is understood in America that this is a corporate headshot. But when it goes to places like Japan, depending on what culture it's going to, it can be perceived as a standoffish, offensive, cold, mm. don't want to do business with you. So when I shoot headshots on corporate women, you know, I work with photographers who understand the lighting, but it's a subtle thing, but it makes all the difference in how you are perceived and who are also able to light skin of color. I, you know, work with the team, we select the wardrobe. We also don't only just shoot the headshot or the postage stamp picture, if you will, um, but we shoot pictures that you, if somebody, a trade is doing a story on you digitally, they may want to see how you are at home, or they may want to see how you are at leisure, or they may want to see what you care about. So, you know, if information is your thing, let's say I may, uh, or if books are your thing, or if you support the public library, you know, we may have a setup in the studio that looks like you're in a library. Um, so, because these things are important and again, mm. you want to have charge of your own image. So when somebody asks for an image, you want to have an image to submit. You want HR to have an image of you to submit, you know? And so that's, um, one of the things I'm working on doing is getting corporations, you know, to work with myself and my team to make sure that these images are what they need to be because the old expression of a picture uh, an image speaks volumes is still true yeah oh that's a, a amazing yeah. um yeah. i want to pull one of the the words out my hat box and <laughs> um we always pull um one of five words and then we have our guests to share an experience based on that word and how they move beyond um that word um and the, we have fear failure doubt adversity and risk and i'm pulling out of my little bowl um the word is failure so can you share a failure that you've had and how you overcame that failure boy 
A failure? A? I love that because it's like, uh, you know it's a lot of them. I got to pick one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've had enough of them to know that it comes to teach and Mm. that um, I've learned to not just go through, but to grow through. Because I feel like everything in my life has to earn its residence and there has to be a payoff. And that includes failure. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I've had, a, I've had many. Uh, I've had stories cut, if you will. Uh, and I've had, um, you know, things go over budget. Uh, oh my gosh. You I know, Mickey, I remember yeah. you sharing with me one about when you were um, writing your book and being um, told that it wasn't going to work. And that was um, a, a failure, but it did work. It just worked oh, differently. Yes, absolutely. So my first book, uh, the first agent that read it, she said it was a magazine article and that it wasn't a necessary book. Mm. And yeah. And so I could have, I could have stopped there. Uh, actually, I had an editor tell me that I wasn't a writer uh, for selfish motives, but, but, but she told me I wasn't a writer. Yeah. Wow. And so, and so, you know, thank God I had a celebration circle, which I didn't call it that at the time. But when I wrote this last book, I conceived the concept and talked about why it's necessary because your greatness was not designed to thrive in isolation nor in adversity. Um, so, yeah. So then I sent the manuscript to an agent in Texas and she was so excited about it. This was T.D. Jake's agent at the time. She flew to New York to meet with me and sold the book in two weeks. And not only did she sell it, she she had one of her agents um, was managing it because there were so many bids. Wow. And it got sold to the highest bidder. I remember lying in my hotel room in California at seven in the morning and they came to me and, and they said, well, you've got three uh, publishers that we're going to consider. And here's what this one is offering. And here's what that one is offering. And here's what this one is offering. What do you think? Here's what we think. Yeah. But wow. had I stopped at, had I got off the bus two destinations before, had I got off at the bus that I was not a writer, mm, mm. let's start there. None of this would have happened. Had I got off at the bus that this was a magazine article and not a book. Now, the interesting thing, this is the same book that Oprah came to be a part of, flew in on her own dime to even be photographed for the book. This is the wow. same book that Halle Berry became a part of, flew in on her own dime to be a part of the book. I can go through the list of global people, experts, everyone contributing and being a part of this book. This is the same book that uh, Patty LaBelle came in to be a, to be shot for this book because she was so excited about it. Erica Badu, I can go down the list, but I said all that to say that if I didn't understand, if I didn't have witnesses to call on who had failed their way to the top, so to speak, mm-hmm. but they were so transformational in their thinking and their activations that they didn't let uh, seeming defeat or failure at one point keep them from climbing the ladder. You know, sometimes you're on a ladder and one rung will drop out. Yeah. And you got, but you got to keep holding on. You got two hands. You got to keep holding on and find the next rung 
with that available foot. Wow. So, mm. you know, uh, yeah, I look at like, for example, Keith, Kathy Hughes, Radio One, TV mm. One, uh, you know, 32 banks turned her down, but the 33rd one said yes. Now, if she hadn't have been relentless, she would have accepted failure and never went to the 33rd bank to get the yes that was waiting for her. So you have to keep pushing through the testing because failure will come to test and seemingly to see what you're made of. But if your goal's important to you, you're going to keep pursuing it till you master it. Oh, man. If that is not a, a lesson for everyone that is listening to this podcast today is the next. I, I love that you said, what if I, if I would have got off at the two earlier stops, I never would have right. made it to the destination of the right. book actually That's being right. um, published. And we, we have to fight through those, those failures. And I wrote down what you said, failure comes to teach. And yeah. if you're not learning, it's not teaching you anything. So it's not teaching you anything. And you want to pass that class. Ex oh, you want to pass exactly. that I'm class. A, I'm going to ace yeah. this one and yeah. move on to the next. Ace, right. It's coming and, back. And you know, right. And Becky, you know, one thing I have learned, if you really want to get an advance on that, mm -hmm. is you have to move self out of the way. Oh. You have to Ooh. move self out of the way. Uh, and, and so, and focus on the goal because clarity has the strategic ability to cancel out doubt and send failure packing. Mm. But you, you got to move self out of the way. Why are you here? What are you doing this for? It's mm. not about you. Right. Got to be bigger than you. Yeah. Oh, that's so, good. That yeah. clarity. Clarity. That clarity. It, it, because you're yeah. so right. When you get clear, yeah. you, can, you, you start to move different. Right. You start to right. act different. But as long as you're cloudy. Right. Oh, right. Man. Right. And you don't make room for limited vision. You understand that, oh, oh, well, they don't get it. Mm, okay, it wasn't meant for them. Because you certainly don't want to give your purpose or, 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 or spin your wheels on a goal with, with folks that don't get it. Mm -hmm. They won't know what to do with, do with it. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, you got to be clear. Oh, Mickey, I could talk all day to you. We could just go on and on. This, y'all, this is what I get when I do have conversations with her. I've, I have to keep a pen and paper because it's like, what did you just say? Um, and I, I love that. I'm so thankful. I definitely want you to share with people how you guys need to make sure that you um, are following Mickey and um, uh, her her uh, information and her website. So if you'll share that with everyone and let. I definitely want you to let them know about the book. Listen, the book was a game changer for me. Uh, so much so I brought Mickey into one of my events for us to talk about this um, book. And, and we sold out a book, had books on back order because <laughs> of the impact uh, of what this book um, has done. So let everyone know how they can um, connect with you and follow you and how to get access to uh, this amazing book, Editor-in-Chief. Thank you, Becky. Well, they can continue the conversation with me through all my social media portals at I am Mickey Taylor. So that's LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, of course. And, uh, and um, in terms of my current book, Editor-in-Chic, it's available now in paperback. And I'm offering uh, signed copies of Editor-in-Chic to be mailed directly to your listeners. Um, if they reach out to me on social media, uh, it is again, a pandemic primer on success, self-care, owning your life and purpose at $20. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah if they reach out to me on social media, 
Yeah. Make sure you reach out. This is, I'm telling you, when you go through um, this, this book, now Mickey, is it on audio? Um, do you have an audio? Uh, it is, it is available also on audio. I am based, I am sold out of my audio copy. Oh my so, God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so audio, they can get it on, uh, on, on, uh, yeah, on Audible, you can get it on Amazon and what have you. But, paperback, $20, yeah, paperback, $20. $20. And that includes shipping and handling. Yep. Mm -hmm. And signed by the great Mickey Taylor as well. Mickey, thank (laughs) you so much for taking the the time out to be a part of our Boss Girl Magics because you definitely are a boss and I love um, every time you speak, there's magic that happens for me. So thank you so much for, um, for joining us. Oh, Becky, thank you. It's always an honor to sit with you and to share. All right, we will see you guys next time on the Boss Girl Magic Series. This is all about helping you to become more. Are you in my free Black Women Course Creators Facebook community? If not, you need to be in there. If you are a course creator, a membership owner, or an online educator, and you're looking to scale your business to five-figure months, then I want you to join us. Go to Facebook and just put in the search Black Women Course Creators and join us, join the conversation, join the community as we talk about and share tips and ideas to help you create your five-figure months using your digital product. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Bosspreneur, B-O-S-S-P-R-E-N-E-U-R and you'll learn more about the Bosspreneur Business Circle. I share training, workshops, speaking engagements, plus I'll share with you some videos and information to help you become more. You can go to the Circle.com. That's B-O-S-S-P-R-E-N-E-U-R, businesscircle.com or beckyadavis.com.